Welcome to Hello Health Today, where health is a leadership strategy. I'm Dr. Carmen Mohan. Today, we're exploring what it feels like when we see ourselves inside the numbers. I think I had a state of denial initially, like this cannot be happening to me. We may take great care of ourselves, become experts in our own health, and yet there are forces at work that are out of our control. You know, someone like myself or some of these other women that I encountered through the walking, you would say, oh, I would never think this person is facing that. Being a Black woman myself, I care deeply about the hearts of Black women. Join me and my friend, Dr. Jereen Owen, for this wholehearted story about the journey to health. Today, I have in the studio with me a friend, colleague, and former patient in the Hello Health Clinic, Dr. Jereen Owen. She's here to talk about her personal journey to better health during the year of 2019. It was my honor to partner with her in that journey, and I'm so grateful she's taking time out of her busy schedule to share her story with you. I believe there is wisdom that can only be gained in the stories women share with each other. Since health is so deeply personal, we all need more space and time to be able to talk and listen well. We're going to get that space and time today. So let me start by introducing Jereen more fully. Jereen is a physical therapist and owner of Hands-On Physical Therapy Incorporated. She has been practicing in Metro Atlanta for over 20 years. Jereen is a graduate of Spelman College. She has a Master of Science degree in Physical Therapy from North Georgia College and State University. Her PhD is in Sports Science from Georgia State University. She was a postdoctoral fellow at the Satcher Health Leadership Institute at Morehouse School of Medicine and the Georgia Leadership and Education in Neurodevelopmental Disabilities at Georgia State University. Her research interests include the impact of obesity on cardiovascular disease risks in African-American women. Jereen has dedicated her career to providing care and advocacy for children in disadvantaged communities in Fulton and DeKalb County. Jereen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Carmen. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. So you are a health expert in your own right, a business owner, an athlete, and a mother. How do you make it all work? (laughs) I think that would most likely be the uh, million-dollar answer if I actually (laughs) could um, synthesize that. But I think, um, like most women, I would say that as the challenges present themselves, you just kind of step up and you somehow put it all together and just move forward. And I think... um, most women like myself, you you don't think about necessarily all that you have to do. You you just are in go mode and you go you move forward. So um, I approach each day with um, renewed strength to move forward and focus on what I can get accomplished. You get a lot done. Um, your entire family is super athletic, isn't that right? This is yes, true. <laughs> <laughs> Can you describe for our listeners just how? Well, okay. Um, So let's see. My husband and I um, have pretty much been physically active for most of our lives. Um, My husband played sports throughout high school and 
played um, college f- football at Georgia Tech. I also played sports throughout um, high school and, and sports at Spelman, ran track. And um, after graduating school, we've continued to engage in um, sports activities, whether it's been from um, marathons, half marathons, um, Ironman, um, sport activities, um, duathlons, triathlons, and we've always made fitness a priority in our family. Um, we have a daughter who is 11, um, and we just modeled that behavior for her very early on from the time she started walking. Um, at eight months old, we put her on the track and we just exercise and she was right there with us. So her whole life, she's been exposed to fitness. So we just, part of our day, at least I would say two hours a day is committed to something physical. And so she's always been active. She um, has a black belt in Taekwondo. She swims um, and has um, age group competitive state champion um, for Butterfly and two events. So we have always been pretty fit and it's yeah. been a priority. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I would qualify that as more than just pretty fit. Yeah. <laughs> um, how much are you running right now? Oh, that's so funny you would ask that. Um, so I... I mean, marathons, triathlons. <laughs> um, last week, I think I clocked 30 miles Um so that's five days, six miles. Um, and um, I think on average, I try anywhere between 24 to 30 miles a week of some combination of running with some walking. Um, because of the program that we developed together, I've incorporated walking, which has been great. At, at first, I was resistant, but um, <laughs> it has been um, one of the best changes to my fitness program. So somewhere about the 24 to 30 mile a week mark. Yeah, and, and your strength training program is no joke. That thing is no joke. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Um Initially, when we started, this is, and, and I, I, I want to be authentic and transparent because I think the important thing is when people hear this, I don't want people to hear a number and automatically think like, oh, well, that's not me and shut off. Um, initially, um, when starting this particular program, you have ebbs and flows. I think every person who is physically active goes through periods where you're, you know, really heavily engaged. And then there are periods where you kind of feel like you have a point where you're almost sort of burnt out. So um, with strength training, um, this past year, I've focused on three days a week, um, not necessarily just with weight lifting in a traditional sense, but more um, whole body um, impactful movements for strength training. So most people um, probably are familiar with high intensity interval training, using more body weight um, types of activities versus just going to the gym and just you know moving a lot of weight around, which is fine. You can do that, um, but just really focusing on more whole body movements to build strength. So yeah, 
yeah, I'm going to have to teach me how to do that one. I'm going to have to work on it. (laughs) So sometimes women who exercise at the level that you do are surprised when they develop high blood pressure. Um, How would you describe your reaction? (laughs) Denial. Um, (laughs) So as I was stating earlier, when you've been physically active, as I've, my family and, you know, we've tried to be for such a long time, um, it was very surprising um, to have an, I guess, a definitive diagnosis that what I was experiencing was hypertension because a th- over a two a two year period, my blood pressure had been creeping up and getting higher. And um, during that period of time, I was experiencing a lot of challenges with um, career changes, adjusting to um, changes in family, and, and and just with the workout. I think sometimes what happens is you kind of get bored. You kind of, the pressures of everyday life, you kind of feel like, oh, I just want to take one thing off the table. And sometimes what happens is that one thing may be a workout. That one thing may be putting the extra effort in to make sure that you plan your day to make sure that what you're eating, what you're um, planning for meals kind of goes by the side because you, you, you just want some extra time built into your schedule. So I would say over a course of a few years, these things started to um, compile and my ability to be able to handle challenges, whether through stress and other things, um, wasn't as um, effective. And so my blood pressure started to creep up. And uh, within a two-year period of time, I definitively received the diagnosis that I had hypertension, um, which was mind-blowing. I think I had a state of denial initially, like this cannot be happening to me. (laughs) Someone who has dedicated their time and making fitness a priority in some capacity, someone who had studied uh, hypertension and various other risk factors for cardiovascular disease um, in, in very uh, um, intensely and made it a priority to work with minority women, specifically black women, and, and now I find myself in this situation. So I would say it was shocking and I was in a bit of denial. Yeah, so... Let me just give our audience a little more context of um, the statistics that you and I know so well. So, hey, everyone, the American Heart Association says nearly half of all adults have some type of cardiovascular disease, and high blood pressure is a big contributor to that statistic. But the health landscape for black women is particularly fraught because compared to white women, we are 1.6 times more likely to die from a heart attack, two times more likely to develop diabetes, and four times more likely to go blind from diabetes. We are three times more likely to suffer from a stroke, three times more sensitive to salt. And 44% of all black women have high blood pressure That's the highest prevalence of any population in the entire world. Meanwhile, blood pressure and cholesterol medications are not as effective 
as they are for everyone else, which doesn't mean we shouldn't take them, I just have to say. It just means we often have to take more than one medication and go through a lot more rigmarole, trial and error to find out what works well. So here's the thing. It can be jarring, as Doreen's saying, to find that despite a high degree of personal responsibility and a healthy lifestyle, the statistics still reflect us. And it can be really hard to accept that external forces are at work and negatively impacting our health. Doreen, would you agree that's like, does it sum it up? I would definitely agree. Um, I, I think for myself and through the program that you and I um, collaborated with for my health and meeting other women um, through the walking that I have been doing um, through the week, hearing other women talk about the social element of health that so often gets downgraded in terms of its impact was so, so comforting for me because it validated what I felt um, in a sense that, one, I knew that I wasn't the irresponsible person that sometimes gets projected in um the media in terms of people who are unhealthy. I think what happens oftentimes if you hear or even ask most people, you know, what does a person with high blood pressure looks like? Or what does a person with diabetes looks like? And so you would get, I'm sure, a response that would most people would say, oh, you know, if they're aware of the the racial component, the person probably is black, they're probably overweight, they probably don't exercise, they probably don't care about their health. Like, I'm sure there would be a description that um, if you heard it and you saw, you know, someone like myself or some of these other women that I encountered through the walking, you would say, oh, I would never think this person is facing that. So I do think that... Um, there is a perception of disease when people have have these particular diagnoses and the social component, um, the stresses, the aggressions that people deal with on a regular basis that impacts your physiology is oftentimes so undermined in these spaces. So I'd like to go back to the very first piece of your journey where I, I was a witness. And so that began with, you know, what brought you to the clinic? How were you feeling before our very first call back in, this is be December 2018, mm -hmm. and we were just talking on the phone? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so I felt lost in a sense. Um, so the initial conversation, I think I was just speaking to you as a friend mm -hmm. with an issue where my mind was just kind of blown in a sense that I was told that I had the diagnosis of hypertension and I had inquired, okay, so how do I fix it? What can I do? Um, and given a sense that it could only be managed and um 
maintained through medication just didn't sit well for me. Um, And that's not to say that I don't think that as you said earlier, you know, there's a place for medication. But I, I, as I understood the issue with hypertension, um, there are some things that could be modified in terms of lifestyle, diet, um, stress management um, that could be helpful. And just hearing that medication could be in my future for the rest of my life just didn't vibe with the way that I had come to know in terms of making change. And so that's why I, when speaking to you, um, I just needed one to talk to someone who had expertise in an area that I didn't have and two, um, not knowing what your clinic offered, um, it was just, I think, a match that was meant to happen. Me too. I'm so glad that it did. Um, do you think that your expertise got in the way or got in the way of getting help that you needed? Um, I would say... In the two years that I was getting blood pressure readings that were slowly creeping up, I would say during that period of time, yes. Because I, I mean, you can't negate your training. Like, I think anyone who is in healthcare, if you've had the amount of physiology that I've had over the course of what, 10 or more plus years of education and working in um, an area of physical therapy and then a PhD in sports science, spending so much time around metabolism and kinesiology and health, yes, you because you, you know all the science. So you're thinking to yourself, oh, I just need to do this, this, and this. Oh, well, this person didn't do this right. When she took my blood pressure, she did this. and da, 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 da. So over a two-year span of getting physicals, but not regularly checking my blood pressure after the, the physicals and gaining a little bit of weight here, a little bit of weight there, and not managing stress, I think at that mark to which my physician had said, you need some medication, I think that was the turning point that I had to realize I had to take myself out of the equation and really find a solution to change what had been going on or building at least for two years. So I would say initially, yes, everything that I knew professionally was preventing me from moving forward hearing that I had to go on medication put me in a direction to take self out of the way and to find a means to really make actionable change. Yeah. So as we began to get started in the clinic, uh, as I began to partner with you, 
can you think what was the best thing that we did together in trying to get you help get you started towards blood pressure control just in that very those very first like three months as we we really kind of tweaked some things. We established your first plan. You know, we were just kind of getting to know how our partnership would work. Well, I think for me, um, I am very uh, visual mm-hmm. um, and I am plan oriented. Like I like to have a checklist. I like to be able to check things off my list. So in the initial And I like to hear solutions. So I think um, initially in those first months when we met, one, um, just having a comfortable space and time to express how I felt and to be able to sit and together come up with a plan um, was so critical for me. I think initially when we met, we talked a lot about things that I didn't even think about in terms that could be contributing to the problem. Like for instance, that I didn't sleep well and hadn't slept well in 10 years since being pregnant and then delivering. And then you just make this assumption that once you have a child or you have children that sleep is not something that you will enjoy like you used to, and or even understanding the importance of sleep. So I think for me to be able to sit down to talk about my life, um, understanding that I did not have built-in um, mechanisms for stress management. You know, most people assume exercise is a great way to release stress but there are also some things that in terms of clearing your heart and your mind that I didn't give or had not been giving time to and then understanding how that has a very visceral response to your body and or you have that response in your body and how that contributes to blood pressure so I would say initially having those conversations of discovery and then coming up with a plan with markers that I could follow were so important because I felt like okay I have something that I can work from I felt empowered Understanding that, yes, in this time, I'm going to be taking medication, but also I have a plan to make some changes. So that part of it in the beginning was critical. And, you know, I always like to have feedback. So is there something that we could have done differently to make those first, that, that first discovery stage better for you? Um. To be honest with you, no, I, you know, I think it's the power of listening, I would say, is so undervalued in our healthcare system. I think oftentimes when you go into your doctor's office, there's a finite amount of time. Like you may see the nurse or you may see the tech and then, you know, then you have this time period before that doctor comes in. 
doctor comes in and you may see them or talk to them for a good, I would say five to eight minutes, maybe sometimes a little longer, but you feel like, oh, I want to get this out. I want to get this out. I want to hear. And then, you know, you hope that you've covered everything and you hope that they've heard everything. And I think for me, initially, having those one to two hour sessions twice a month to be heard and to be received and validated were just phenomenal. Like I like that for me was just incredible. That's not something I think that most women experience. Oh, such a shame. We're looking to change that. Yeah. You've alluded to medication. So just to, I just want to clarify for the audience that um, Jereen did go on medication while we were figuring this piece out of um, how to help her blood pressure as we started to put all the kind of the pieces together. So I know that accepting medication treatment was hard for you in particular. Can you tell us more about why you decided to take medication? And then and then we didn't get it completely right at first and we had to <laughs> tweak. So, I mean, you really stuck with that decision once you decided to go for treatment. Uh, so you uh, referenced... Um information in terms of statistics earlier in the conversation, I was completely aware of those statistics coming into the door um, and understanding the impact of disability in the way that I do. I had already known that for two years, not being regularly monitored that I had a period of having high blood pressure, whether or not it was that high all the time, whether or not it was that high because I was anxious coming into the office. I don't know. But I do know that at those periods of time in which it was being measured, it was high. So the medication for me was a no-brainer because I understood the risk of not taking it and that to me was far greater did not want to have a stroke or a heart attack or anything that would jeopardize me being there for my family and that's real I think because of my career and seeing the impact of disability, and I just, as much as I could do to not be in that space, because I already knew that from our discussions, I hadn't been sleeping well, didn't have good stress management. I think I ate pretty good, oh, but yeah. once I started looking at yeah. it, I was like, oh, I could do some things differently. Um, it just made me more accountable. So I, I, for me, I had to take the medication because the alternative just wasn't 
wasn't worth it. So you enrolled in our formal weight loss program with the goal of titrating off of medications. And just for our listeners' sake, let me say that for every 5 to 10% of body weight lost, it acts like a medication equivalent on our blood pressure. So you had an, you had at that point and you have still a very athletic body. And that proposition for you was just it's really different from the way normal weight loss programs go. So you and I had to work together pretty tightly to come up with weight loss for the athlete um, because we were really working toward that this um, extra aim of trying to come off the medication to reach your blood pressure goal. So you already had the logistics down for eating really high quality diet and your exercise program was like out of this world well into the stratosphere of, in terms of the fitness category. And so we really did look at stress management and restorative sleep as these one places where you just weren't heavily invested. Um, and it sounds like mo- most of the reason f- for not being invested is because of the time requirement, would you say? Yeah, I would definitely say I, I don't think that um, many people think of the value of having regular means for relieving stress or making sleep a priority on a daily basis. I think most individuals operate from a place of Monday through Friday, I know I'm going to lose sleep. Hopefully, Saturday and Sunday, I can catch up. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, if you have a family, um, the, <laughs> the Saturdays and Sundays don't always, because your kids may have someplace they have to be, or there's an event, or there's another commitment. And so you may get an extra... 30 minutes to an hour or so, but when you're operating, as I learned, in sleep deficit for such a long period of time, I mean, for years, you don't necessarily get the recovery that you need when you can get the extra 30 minutes or the extra hour. Um, And that on top of you are reintroducing the stressors daily. So you operate in a space of deficit that most people don't understand the importance of building in time to alleviate that. Because I didn't. I honestly have to tell you, you know, the recommendation for meditation 20 minutes a day, excuse me, 20 minutes twice a day. Initially, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, where? (laughs) So you want me to do this 20 minutes in the morning? Mornings are, I'm sure, notoriously difficult for any mom who is micromanaging all the different things in their life. And then you want me to do this again 20 minutes at night when I'm cooking dinner, I'm getting lunch, I'm doing this. Oh, I got to talk to my kid. I got to talk to my husband. Oh, and I might want to look at some other things that require attention. But you want me to meditate for 20 more minutes. I was thinking, that's 40 minutes. (laughs) So I think initially just trying to wrap 
your mind around building in space and making these things a priority, that was a challenge. But once I did, the benefit I felt was instant. You're one of the most natural meditators I've ever met. Can you describe for us what meditation does for you? Like, I know that at first you you pretty much only did it because I suggested it. Yeah, pretty much. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. But now I don't get the sense that that's true for you. No, I. So initially, I I was skeptic. I think that most people probably have heard of meditation, and you've probably heard of all these different types, and you're kind of like, okay, so I'm supposed to sit here and close my eyes and not think of anything. And so that's the challenge. Most people, when they hear about meditation and trying to clear your thoughts, was such a challenge. But when you and I sat down, I think I was so ready and primed because mentally, I had no time to just relax and just sit there and with transcendental meditation, with trying to focus on just the sound. Like I felt like that was, oh, this is what you just want me to focus on the sound. That's it. And it was, it was very calming. Um, and it was just so comforting. And I just immediately thought, oh my God, why why would no one want to do this? Like it was just something that for me it it was rejuvenating. I felt when I was done, I felt like, whew, okay. I felt brighter, I felt calmer. And so I wanted to do more because I, I, I think initially having the skepticism mm-hmm. and then after trying it and feeling differently. And then when you took my blood pressure and I saw like I'm very, as I said, visual. So I saw the numbers change. I was like, what? I know. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> this works? <laughs> I love how to ha- I had to prove that to you. <laughs> like, oh, my God, I'm going to be doing this. So, yeah, that was that met the meditation. And even now, um, making time to do it is just amazing. I, I think that's I'd still try to guard that space um, to do it. Um, but wanting to learn more about really incorporating meditation as a part of your life, I think, is where I am now. Was there a particularly hard time for you last year? A time when you had to get restarted on your plan or toward a goal? Yeah. Um, so I think initially we had discussed one medication and taking one medication and from that medication getting a specific outcome in terms of lowering of the systolic and diastolic numbers. And I was set for that. And I tried that and it didn't go the way that I had anticipated. And so having to add a second medication was difficult for me 
in some sense, I think I may have expressed that I felt stigma from having to be this individual taking multiple blood pressure medications and picking up my medication from the pharmacy. And I know somebody's going to hear this and be like, are you kidding me? But I think there is, when you go to the pharmacist and you're there to pick up your medication, it, 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 I felt a certain sense of stigma. Like you feel like you're an unhealthy person and having to take two medications when I was mentally prepared to take one yeah that kind of set me back a little bit in terms of like why why isn't this working I was had a very tightly restricted uh, diet program I was regimented with my fitness the meditation I was blocking out the time and and doing it and so for the numbers not to lower oh and I journaling I don't want to forget that um, adding that component to kind of take the thoughts out of my head and put them on paper and just releasing them in that way I felt like okay I'm doing everything on this list why are the numbers why are they staying high I think that was pretty um, disheartening and then to take the second medication I thought to myself what in the world so, yeah, that was tough. Was there a breakthrough moment for you? Hmm. Because I remember, I remember the day when I saw like 122 over 76. Oh. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think um, towards the third quarter, maybe. Yeah third quarter of the Mm -hmm. year um that was kind of breakthrough because I I think what I was underestimating was just you don't get to these spaces instantaneously so you can't expect to come out of them instantaneously so this had been a journey getting to this space but I wanted to be out of it like instantly and so I had that in my head the whole time. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to check this stuff off the list. I'm going to get off this medication. So that didn't necessarily go. I think I underestimated that this was a process. And so finally seeing the controlled numbers that were normal, that was breakthrough in a number of ways. One... I needed the time for all of these things to reach the tipping point in terms of the diet, the exercise, stress management, and sleep. And so I think I really underestimated, because they were new, sleep and stress management. I really just thought that these other things would be be so pristine that they would greatly influence these other two things and it would have no choice. The numbers would be lower. And so 
the third quarter of the year having the culmination of these things kind of show up in the numbers was pretty rewarding. Yeah. And I I was celebrating alongside you, trust me. What can you see now that you didn't before? Well, I think the fact that you can't do all of these things alone. I mentioned earlier that the relationship that was formed with us working together on the plan was very different than anything that I had ever experienced. So one, recognizing that I needed an expertise outside of my own. Two, with walking, developing relationships with other women who were in the same space. Like I just want to take a minute to say that oftentimes as women, we operate in these silos. Like we feel like, especially I want to say in terms of women of color, particularly black women, there is this charge, like you have to do everything and you have to do everything well. And so the perception is because you have to do everything well, you don't oftentimes share experiences with other women, particularly around your health and so forth. But it wasn't until I started talking with people, I found out that some of my friends who I was walking with and we were doing these things with, oh, girl, I take blood pressure medicine. Oh, girl, I'm taking anti-anxiety. Oh, girl, yeah, I got this too. And it was like, what? We're all in this space. So the sharing of information was powerful and we could all motivate each other on this path. And I think too, outside of that, that energy carried over into making some of these other things on my plan work. So combination of different things. I'm just curious, what would you say to someone like you who may have been just newly diagnosed as having high blood pressure and is thinking about making a change in their approach to their own self-care? First, I would say receive the information. Initially, it was very difficult for me to receive the diagnoses. I felt like this could not be happening to me. So I think initially the denial that I experienced. So if if I were talking to myself a year ago, I would say, one, hear the information, receive the information. Not reject it and be immobilized. Because I think if I continue to reject the numbers, Um, and let it prevent me from moving forward, I would never be where I am now. So that would be the one thing I would say. And step outside of your normal and what's comfortable. I think for me, seeking out someone who had an expertise different from mine, 
um, but also valued health in the same way that I do. I think that was something that allowed us to be aligned. I think we both valued health in the same way. Um, and for someone like me a year or so ago, be willing to embrace things that you would typically be skeptical about. If I had continued to be skeptic about the meditation, and even though I tried journaling before, embracing just the power in expressing my thoughts and getting them out of my head and really understanding why sleep should be a priority. If I had known those things a year or so ago, I'd be like, you, you got to do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what makes your experience with me different from experiences you've had with other doctors? Oh, my God. that <laughs> Boy. Oh, Carmen, we could be here for a long time. <laughs> well, so let, let me just say this. I think most people, there is a certain amount of intimidation when you are talking with your health care provider. I think that when most people, whether it's, you know, they're internists, um, whatever physician that you may have that you're seeing, there's a certain level of intimidation that one, you may not be able to express to them everything that's going on. And when they talk back to you, that they're not going to talk to you like a human being. I've had that experience before speaking to doctors. I don't always go in and say, hey, hello, I know this, or this is an area that I'm familiar with. I'm sure people like yourself have had experiences with doctors and with them not knowing that you're a physician, they talk to you very matter-of-factly, oh, no, it's not this, you need to do da-da-da-da. So I think initially having the ability to be comfortable and knowing that we were going to be sitting across from each other talking in plain clothes and figuring this out, what works, what isn't working, and you hearing my input and saying, okay, well, how about this? Are you open to this? That's very different. I don't know many people that have that experience with their physicians. And the other part of that, just to add on, to call or send you a private text to say, as I experienced with uh, one or one medication that I had, mm -hmm. this is making me feel like this. And to not go through a call service and wait for a call back, but to get like, oh, this isn't, let's do this. How do you feel? So I think just the way the model of your practice is set up is very different than what I have experienced in the past. And I think what most people experience, you have direct access to a physician that is outside of the traditional model of how medicine is practiced. And for someone like me, 
with the experience I was having, I think that was something that I needed. I couldn't just accept you're going to be on these medications for the rest of your life. And that's you just and you're out the door. I'm curious, how are you going to move forward this year? Because <laughs> because I've heard you talking about further activating your parasympathetic nervous system mm. and like kind of thinking about what you might be doing. So I'm just wondering if I'm going to be privy to know what happens next. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think uh, this experience just comes to a hard and fast stop. So I, I, I think it looks like anything. You have to have growth. Um, and obviously, I will continue to share with you the things that um, the continuation of what you've introduced me to with, you know, meditation and journaling. But I know we had discussed um, yoga as another means and as a stress reliever. And so I think I mentioned that that's something that um, I was adding to my basket of things to use in terms of stress relief and to continue to build on the meditation component. Um, We discussed looking outside of just what I learned in your office and trying to go further in that space. And in terms of the parasympathetic nervous system activating that, because I mentioned to you, I'm still very much in the space of wanting to do everything that I can. So being the researcher that I am, I've started to look into various ways. So talked about yoga is one, um, positive thinking, visualization, is another looking at the impact of using a sensory system to help with parasympathetic activation. So with touch, whether it's through massage therapy or being more open to um, touch from people that are important to you. So whether it's your spouse, your children, special friends, Um, things of that nature. Um, So I'm still working on looking at other ways to increase my parasympathetic nervous system response to help lower my blood pressure. Hadn't spent much time on that, so there are a couple things that I know I can put into action. So would you consider your program a success? Yes, I would. So when we started this conversation about my journey, I initially sought out your clinic because the goal for me was to discontinue medication. And I want to be transparent and share that I was not able to discontinue all medicine, um, discontinuing one and still on another. But as I said earlier, there were so many other benefits that I received that I feel made the journey successful and then understanding that I did not get here instantaneously, that I still have things to work on. I think health is a continual process. So as I said, the meditation that I learned, um, the journaling, um, building upon increasing my 
circle of friends that we talked about toward the end of my experience with your clinic, um, finding um, eight people that have different skill sets that I could use to help build this infrastructure for dealing with stress in my life. And that was so important in helping me to understand the power, as you said earlier, of sharing stories and having support. Um, A lot of times as women, I think we have friends. We may have one or two or sometimes it's your spouse or whatever that you kind of go to with everything. But understanding the importance of building an infrastructure of support in your life as well as being that for other people. So I would say that, yes, I feel like my experience was a success, but understanding that it's a continual process. You're always pushing forward. Doreen, thank you so much for sharing our st- your story with us today. Thank you for having me. It's so wonderful. So before we got started here in the studio, I asked Dr. Owen if she would have any recommendations for our action steps if you'd like to get started today. And this is what she said. First, if you haven't already this year, get your blood pressure checked. Second, Do you have an idea of what your health markers are? Know your health markers and why they're important. And finally, step out of your comfort zone. That's the next step. That's where you start the process for change. Let someone else guide you and seek out help. If you like what you hear on Hello Health today and you'd like to support the show, please take some time to rate and review us. Doing so helps other people find us. Thank you for listening. Until next time, remember, today is good. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Because I am a medical doctor, it's important for me to tell you that nothing I say here in this podcast can substitute for your doctor's advice. My lawyers make me say the same thing this way. The contents of this podcast are neither intended nor implied to be relied on for medical diagnosis, care, or treatment concerning any individual. Under no circumstances does this podcast create a physician-patient relationship, nor does it constitute engagement in the practice of medicine or the provision of any healthcare service to an individual patient. This podcast should not be used as a substitute for professional diagnosis and treatment. Consult a healthcare provider before making any healthcare decisions or to obtain guidance about any medical conditions. The producers of this podcast expressly disclaimed responsibility and shall have no liability for any damages, loss, injury, or liability whatsoever suffered as a result of reliance on the information contained in this podcast.